A Dark and Winding Road Otessa Moshvik My parents kept a small cabin in the mountains. It was a simple thing, just four walls and very dark inside. A heavy felt curtain blotted out whatever light made it through the canopy of huge pines and down into the cabin's only window. There was a queen-size bed in there, an armchair, and a wood-burning stove. It wasn't an old cabin. I think my parents built it in the 70s from a kit. In a few spots, the wood beams were branded with the word Homerite. But the spirit of the place made me think of simpler times, olden days, yore, or whenever it was that people rarely spoke, except to say there was a storm coming, or the berries were poisonous or whatnot, the bare essentials. It was deadly quiet up there. You could hear your own heart beating if you listened. I loved it, or at least I thought I ought to love it. I've never been very clear on that distinction. I retreated to the cabin that weekend in early spring after a fight with my wife. She was pregnant at the time, and I suppose she felt entitled to treat me terribly. So I went up there to spite her, yes, and in hopes that she would come to appreciate me in my absence but also to have one last weekend to myself before the baby was born and my life as I'd known it was forever ruined. The drive to the cabin is easy to imagine. It was a drive like any drive to any cabin. It was up a dark and winding road. The last half mile or so was badly paved. With snow on the ground, I would have had to park in a clearing and walk the rest on foot. But the snow had melted by the time I got there. This was April. It was still cold, but everything had thawed. Everything was beautiful and dark and powerful the way nature is. I brought all my favorite things to eat and ate them almost immediately upon arrival. Cornichons, smoked trout, rye crackers, sheep feta, cured olives, dried cherries, coconut-covered dates, Toblerone. I also brought up a nice bottle of Chateau Cheval Blanc, a wedding gift I'd hidden and saved for three years. But I found no corkscrew, so I resorted to the remnants of a bottle of cheap scotch, which I was surprised and relieved to discover on a shelf in the closet next to a dried-out roll of fly tape. Later, after dozing in the armchair for quite a while, I went outside in search of firewood and kindling. Night had fallen by then, and I had no flashlight, hadn't even thought to bring one, so I sort of grappled around for sticks in the glare from my headlights. My efforts amounted to a very brief but effective little fire. I've never been outdoorsy. My parents rarely brought us up to the cabin as children. There was barely room enough for a young couple, let alone bickering parents and two bickering sons. My brother was younger than me by just three years, but those three years seemed to stretch to a wide chasm of estrangement the older we got. Sometimes I wondered if my mother had strayed. We were that different. It wouldn't be fair to call me a snob and my brother trash, but it wouldn't be far from accurate. He called himself MJ, and I went by Charles. As a child, I played clarinet, chess. Our parents bought MJ a drum set, but he wasn't interested. He played video games, made messes. At recess, I'd watch him throw fake punches at the smaller kids and wipe his snot on his sleeve. We didn't sit together on the bus. In seventh grade, I won a scholarship to an elite private high school, started wearing ties, played rugby, read newspapers, and spent all my time at home in my room with my books.
I turned out successful, but nothing special. I became a real estate lawyer, married my law school girlfriend, bought a pricey condo in Murray Hill, nothing close to what I hoped I'd do.